Veterans Path, helping veterans find peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor through practical tools like meditation and mindfulness, physical and outdoor experiences, and a community of camaraderie. I'm John McCaskill, a Navy SEAL commander turned mindfulness teacher. Here on the Veterans Path podcast, I interview veterans, athletes, corporate leaders, and many others who found peace through the practices of meditation and mindfulness, breaking down the stigma of pursuing mental health and making it a priority, improving and saving lives. All right. Hey, welcome to the Veterans Path Podcast. I'm John McCaskill, your host, and my guest today is Ben Durbin. I'm going to get into an intro here shortly, but prior to that, we've got our first uh, sponsor for Veterans Path Podcast. So this episode is brought to you by Past Life. And right now in this day and age with uh, the pandemic that is out there, I think this is critically important. I just recently had my brother-in-law in the, in the hospital, uh, very sick with COVID. And I know many people have lost family members. So this I think is spot on. So past life, life can change at any moment. And are you prepared for that change? The grief a family feels upon losing a loved one is difficult enough, but the days, weeks, and months that follow are filled with stressful decisions. Past life is a single solution, secure cloud-based platform where funeral preparations, last, wish, last wishes, will information, financial assets, business continuation information, social media account info, and everything else can be uploaded to recipients of the user's choosing. Past Life allows you to alleviate the stress and lift the fog for your loved ones, primarily by giving them a vital trove of information in multiple areas. Veterans Path podcast listeners can save 10% by using the code PATH at checkout. Learn more at pastlife.com. That's pass-life.com. Past Life, pass your loved ones a lifeline. All right, that out of the way, brother. Ben, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, John. Yeah, it's great to have you, man. So I've been following you on Instagram for a while. Uh, I think it's uh, from kill to chill. Uh, I love that. I love that name. And a little bit of background on, on who you are. Still active duty Navy, yeah. CTI. Actually, you're the second CTI I've had this week. I had a CTI right. on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, so it seems like I'm just tracking you guys down. But yeah, great to have you. <laughs> I probably know. So, <laughs> well, it's actually a female. Um, uh, Sabrina Chachura. Uh, uh, also Arabic. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm not familiar but, with the name, but yeah, probably. she did. Uh, six years in in the Navy, and then uh, now now she's living in Australia, uh, wrapping up her IRR time in the Navy. But nice, yeah, nice. yeah, great to have you, man. Um, before we get into your mindfulness and meditation practices and everything else, the thing that I normally start with is a little bit of background and like what inspired you to join the Navy, what your like childhood like, all that stuff. So back us up to that point in your life. What what did your childhood look like? Uh, so I come from a big military family, uh, a lot of military service. Um, my dad, my uncles, my grandpa, uh, my brother, my sister, um, we've all served um, in one capacity or another. Um, a lot of families served during wartime, so I grew up listening to war stories uh, from Vietnam, World War II, and Korea. My grandpa was a three-war vet, so he did World War I, World War II, uh, Korea, and Vietnam. 
Jeez. Yeah. So he uh, he had we, we, he had a lot of experience, and we he wasn't um, shy about sharing um, his experiences. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't talk about their wartime experience. My grandpa wasn't um, one to really hold back. Um, what I learned much later uh, was that he was holding back. And when I did have experience during war, he became a lot more frank with me with his wartime experiences. Sure. But that never stopped him from talking about his experiences in the army, his, uh, his, um, his, his career in the army. Um, and so I grew up with, uh, with a lot of curiosity about the military, a lot of lore, um, a, lot of, um, a lot of imagining what these experiences must have been like. Um, my uncle uh, was a was a helo pilot. Um, he flew Hueys during the Vietnam. He flew Chinooks afterwards, and he would he would buzz by our house um, when uh, a group in Arlington, Texas, um, and he would he would buzz our house with his Chinook when he was uh, flying in the in the in the Air Guard, uh, or is it was either yeah it must have been the Air Guard, but he was flying for them, and uh, yeah he I look we we be outside and we'd look up and wave at him as he went by. So there's a whole lot of of imagery of stories. Uh, and um, and family history to, to kind of live up to as well. Um, so I always wanted to experience that. Um, and I, I, I've always been bent towards adventure. Um, so uh, I started out actually in the Marines. Um, I, I joined as a, I started out in the, in the, in the Marines as a uh, Amtrak mechanic, amphibious assault vehicle repairman. Um, and I decided I wanted to learn a language and I wanted to, um, um, just do something different with my career, and 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 so I joined active duty, uh, but I switched over to the Navy, so I went straight into the Navy from from the Marine Reserves. What made you make that decision? That, was that the language itself? Uh, I mean, do we not have uh, folks who speak different languages in the Marine Corps? I mean, I'm admitting my there ignorance are. here. <laughs> yeah, there are. Uh, but at the time I decided to go active duty, I actually did more shopping than I would. <laughs> When I, when I first entered the military, I walked into the Marine Corps recruiter office. All I knew, see, this is how good the Marines are at, at advertising. Um, and when I was in elementary school, went to a Catholic uh, school growing up, and they, uh, there was a, a magazine that we always got called, uh, I can't remember what the magazine was called off the top of my head, but we got a magazine that at the school that all the kids got, and it was full of articles about, about things. Well, the Marines advertised in that. Uh, so I was seeing Marine advertisements from the age of like, eight years old and there there is there is a picture that i became latched onto of these guys in a in a, in a rating in a rubber rating craft you know their faces are all painted they're in their swamp and and i i, I looked at that at a very young age and i'm like that looks like a hell of a lot of fun and so <laughs> that's that's the kind of thing that i had in my mind that i wanted to, i wanted to be like a marine infantryman but they didn't have um that for in my in my local area it was the the, the infantry units were too far away. Otherwise, it would have been a grunt starting off. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I decided that I wanted, I always had this desire to learn language. I love, I love working with language. Um, and I decided that that's what I wanted to do. Um, and I knew uh, from speaking to my recruiters uh, and the different recruiters that there was actually a program in the Navy where I could learn a language, be a linguist, and support special operations forces that was just getting kicked off when I joined the Navy. Um, and this recruiter was actually truthful about it. He knew, like he knew about it somehow, and it, it would actually exist. He wasn't, he wasn't, um, he wasn't like selling anything that what did wasn't actually true. And so, yeah. and that's what, that's what I ended up doing. It, it took a um, several years to get there, but eventually I did, um, and that's what I ended up doing um, 
in the Navy where I still am today. Right on. So, yep. So that's so that's uh, that's kind of how I got to the military. Is is I wanted I want you know just I wanted to understand and experience um, what that all was about. I was really curious about what military life was like. I was really curious about what war was like, um, and that happened as well. Um, so I, I, I got, I got everything that I wanted out of, uh, out of my experience. I wanted adventure. I wanted to live up to my family's expectations and just the, the curiosity of what this whole lifestyle was about. Um, and, and I got it. There you go. Yeah. Sometimes you, you get what you ask for, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, man, I get it. So while you're at DLI, you, you do some reading, uh, Tell us what you read and what that led to and uh, and how you actually got into mindfulness initially. Yeah, so um, Defense Language Institute, um, I was learning Arabic. Um, when I showed up at, at DLI back then, I'm not sure exactly how they do it now, but back then we actually got to pick our languages. Um, I scored really high on the D-Lab. So that's the, the aptitude battery that you take to, to decide which language that you're best suited to take. Um, and I scored really high, um, but they asked me what language I wanted. They, they, I could have learned Spanish if I had I told them I wanted Spanish, but I knew that that out of the families of languages that were available that the D-Lab um, qualified me for, that there would be the most work in Arabic, that there would be the most chance for adventure if I learned Arabic as opposed to Spanish or Chinese. Right. So I chose Arabic and um, quickly within my, with as a student there, um, I realized that I was in over my head as far, I was never a good student. I was in over my head as far as my, uh, I mean, I was smart enough to do the work, but I, what I know now is ADHD. I've always had that. I've always had that vulnerability. So sitting at a desk and um, paying attention to the same material over and over and over and over again was very painful and difficult for me. I was, the mind is just, it, it always wants stimulation and I was always, I had such a hard time paying attention. I didn't want to be sitting at that desk with the same material and it was very boring back then. It, it probably is to a same degree still, it's still work at a desk, but that, that we had the same schedule and the same subjects provided in the same way for about a year straight. Yeah. So imagine yeah. one yeah. subject for eight hours a day and is provided in the exact same way every single day. It's just mind numbing. Uh, six months in, I started struggling. I, you know, the, the, the new and recent experiences that we have are very energizing. So I was really hardcore into it. I loved it. Um, six months into it, I still loved it, but I was having a really hard time holding on because it just wasn't interesting anymore. It was, I was so burned out. Yeah, Honestly, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> I can see why, rather. Absolutely, yeah. I was, here I, you know, a lot for a lot of young people and me, uh, of, of, of the kind of bent that I have, which is very common of, among people who self-select to special operations communities. Um, you know, we're, we want to be moving, want to be active and want, we want to be experiencing things. And here I am learning a language by just reading from a book. I'm not even interacting with anybody in any real sense. I'm just Yikes. learning words and preparing for a job with, that will never have me interacting with people. So, um, I was preparing for a, for a job as a linguist, as a military linguist, where we don't really talk to people. The vast majority, over 90, 95% of military linguists never interact with a, with a native on a daily basis like that. Yeah. Um, so that's what, that's what the life that I was preparing for. It's like, oh man, what the hell did I get myself into? So I started <laughs> to look for ways to, um, 
started to look for ways to make the learning more palatable. And like many people who come to meditation, um, I came to it because I was suffering in one sense. I was suffering my daily life. How do I, how do I achieve? How do I perform? How do I keep my performance going and make it through this coursework? Um, because as I said, with my, with my family background, like, there's no way I'm failing out of this. I can't fail it. My grandpa went to DLI. Like he went to DLI and learned Spanish. That's how he met my grandma. He went to Panama. Oh, wow. Um, oh, wow. Station in Panama. And that's, that's where he met my grandma. So my, I was like, in a sense, following in the steps of my, of my grandfather. Like, I can't fail at this. Um, so, um, yeah, so that's how I, that's how I found uh, meditation. And I had been introduced to meditation um, in high school when I was taking karate, um, traditional karate, martial arts. Um, meditation is a thing, but I never learned how to meditate. We meditated through movement, through kata. So um, that was the, that was the mental aspect of, of, of understanding that there, there is a way to, to create silence in the mind um, and to stop thought so that you can enter into the present moment um, right. in, right. in the traditional martial arts sense through, sense through movement and become the movement and let go of the thought of, of self and of, of the, the projection of what might happen in the future and simply be um, was, was, that was my introduction. And that's why I knew it existed from that. Um, and so I sought that out. Um, my roommate and I, I was one of my best friends. We still stay in touch. We read the same books. Um, and I read uh, The Miracle of Mindfulness by uh, Thich Nhat Hanh um, and uh, the, the accompanying book, Sun My Heart. And I love those books. Still my favorite meditative. Those are the first books that I, um, that I suggest today. Uh, I, love, I love him as an author um, and as a teacher. And I'm still learning from his from his works. Um, so those are those are the first books that I read, and I immediately started to try practicing mindfulness, and it, it was amazing. It worked. Like being able to direct my mind and choose my focus of attention as I was sitting in class to have a self-directed experience um, that was that was in the moment and present as it was ha happening, rather than just lost in some story about where I'd rather be or what I a story that I would create. Uh, to to just stimulate my mind um, away from the mind-numbing work of learning the same set of vocabulary for the 15th time that week. So, yeah, I'm uh, sure yeah. that is mind-numbing. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I've never been great at learning languages, uh, and and probably not great at just sitting and and studying from a book either. If there's no interaction and using that language, that could be definitely mind-numbing. So I'm, I'm glad that you were able to find an outlet. But once once you read Thich Nhat Hanh's books, um, how did you actually start? I mean, this was when, what, what, what year are we talking when you this actually started? This would be 1997, yeah, 1997. Yeah, so there's no, like, there's no iPhones that are, you know, obviously right. so, <laughs> so prominent these days where people just download an app and they can start meditating or, I mean, that's honestly how I started. I started meditating with an app um, and then obviously got more advanced from, from there, but but um, how did you start? Um, I just I just followed um, his suggestions in the book. That's all I did. Um, and he said, like one of the, one of the first times I remember having um, awareness and knowledge wash over me in an instant. Um, there, like as like there are different kinds of knowing, right? I can have I can read the book, I can read the academic knowledge of what he's telling me, and then I can have an experience, a physical experience in that of knowing, 
And there's a phys almost like a physical sensation that accompanies sensations of knowing something like when you have an aha moment or when you solve a riddle or completed a math equation, like you, there's a physical sense of, of, oh, this is what that is. And he says in the book, um, when you are walking down a path, know that you are walking down a path. And I'm reading it as like, well, of course I'm walking down a path. Of course I'm gonna know that I'm walking down a path. But in actuality, when I'm walking down a path, most of the time I'm thinking about where I'm going. I'm thinking about what I've just completed. I'm thinking about sure. what, what class I've got to make it to. What time is it? Am I going to get there on time? What does my uniform look like? And so the first time after reading that book, when I walked the path to, to class that day and I thought I'm walking down a path, it was like, boom, like I'm in the, oh, wow, that, that's what it is. I'm in the present moment right now. I'm on a path. Nice. And, nice. and I, can, I can feel my breath and I, can, I am not thinking about anything. I'm just realizing that I'm walking on a path. Um, and so just, just following his, uh, his teaching in that book and the good thing about that time frame was that I had a whole lot of time to meditate. I had a whole lot of time to, um, to practice what I call uh, the informal meditation, which is the, we have the formal meditation when we're sitting and practice. Um, and we create silence around us and we, we create a space where we can, um, where we can make it most possible for us to enter into deep stillness. Um, and then we have informal meditation where we can practice that anywhere. I can enter into mindfulness as I'm doing the dishes and, or whatever, like taking a shower, eating a meal, interacting anywhere we can enter into to periods of mindfulness. Um, so in my, in my, in that time frame, I could spend hours in mindfulness in class every single day, just paying attention to my breath, feeling my feet against the floor, feeling my hands where they were stationed at my desk, uh, taking, being physically connected to the art of writing. Um, so many times I would be such so lost in thought and daydreams that I wouldn't even re recognize. We, we, uh, the thing, all the things that we did the same way every single day, we sat in like a horseshoe and as we would read or answer questions, it would go from person to person in the horseshoe until it reached me, where I, it would be my turn to read or answer a question or whatever. And I would just, boom, I'd be gone. And I'm, I'm daydreaming. I have an amazing ability to be gone mentally and to go other places. And as soon as I would hear the person next to me speak, I would come back to consciousness and then wait for my turn. So I would be gone for, I would not be paying attention at all in my class for a good 90% of the class. Uh, yeah, a good 45 minutes out of a 50 minute class, out of a 50 minute period, I'd be gone, like not even there, not retaining any information. So um, I would, I was, I'm lucky to have made it through the coursework and found things that kept me engaged. Um, mindfulness sure. meditation mm -hmm. was the biggest, the cornerstone, but I also found other mental techniques, uh, non-traditional ways of studying and of retaining information that, that were, that are um, present moment that are based in present moment awareness and, and based in visualization and, and right brain activity rather than the, the left brain uh, logic center uh, story narrative side of things. Um, nice. So yeah, there's, I, 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 I sought out a lot of tools during that time frame to, to, to find out what worked for me performance wise to get me through this, this time. Right on, man. Well, the, the, uh, the, the, bio or notes that I have here say that after you left ELI, the, those practices kind of fell away. Um, you, you get into what it is you do on deployments and how did you get one? Why did you fall off? 
and no judgment at all. I understand practice can be difficult, but I'm just curious uh, for, you know, for some of our listeners, they may be struggling to get back into it or to get into it at all. Um, and one, why did you fall off? And then two, once you did fall off, how did you get back onto the practice? Um, so the reason, the, the main reason why I, my, my meditation practice fell off is because I think uh, it's very common that when you don't need something in the moment um, and you're no longer have the sensation of suffering, it's like, oh, I don't need to do that anymore. I'm good. Like it was, it, I looked at it at that time as if it were a tool in a toolbox for me to pull out whenever I needed it, as opposed to a practice that without the consistency of practice, it's just like a skill as opposed to a tool and it must be maintained. Um, so uh, that the well was was not so deep. Like I, I was able to quickly get back into it when it was time because I had practiced it during that time frame. Um, but I, I didn't feel like I needed it because I felt like my view of it was as something I could pull out at any time whenever I needed it, which it turned out to not be the case. <laughs> so, um, so I focused on other other techniques, but but what I have learned now over the years is that the meditation was truly the cornerstone of everything else. I, I did hypnosis, self-hypnosis, uh, some other some other learning techniques, some, some mental techniques that are very beneficial and very helpful for learning language and changing behavior and um, performance for physical performance. Um, but uh, meditation has, has is hands down, uh, and particularly mindfulness meditation for me as a modality uh, is, is hands down the, the most important part um, of, of, of all the practices together. And it, it underlies and underpins them all. Yeah, I, I fully agree. And that's, that's my fi favorite type of practice as well. And not, and not just, not just the mindfulness meditation, but also just being mindful throughout your day. Like you talked about, you know, you can have a conversation mindfully, you can eat mindfully, you can walk down that path mindfully. That's not necessarily meditation, but you're being present in the here and now. And it, it really opens your eyes to things that you were missing before and allows you to have a much more fulfilling life. And I know that sounds kind of trite or cliche, but honestly it does. Like uh, even time with my kids, stuff that I was doing with my kids, I, I wasn't paying attention to that experience with my kids. And then when I started practicing, I, I started realizing how great those experiences were. Um, so yeah, I, I fully agree. But what are some of those those other modalities that you've you've experienced or that you still practice? Um, so so I, I spoke a little bit about hypnosis and self hypnosis, and I and I do love that. Um, I do love self. I have done a lot of self hypnosis that really helped me for learning language. Um, the difference between um, hypnosis, or one of the main differences between hypnosis and meditation, however, is that meditation is a very active form of self directed experience where we're actively directing our own mind that is, that is um, self-organizing and, we're, and we're, we're helping it along a path to have experiences, that we're experiencing things that are outside of us and also within us. With, with, with hypnosis and self-hypnosis, um, we're kind of along for the ride. And even though we may be directing that ourselves with self-hypnosis, we're still following kind of a script, we're still planting um, the seeds for a subliminal change uh, below conscious thought. Um, but we're still kind of along for the ride. We're not, we're not really just out there exploring. 
we're not out there in the in the in the field of consciousness just kind of exploring what's there and experiencing what's there. There's a very specific point and a very specific suggestions that happen with with hypnosis and self-hypnosis. Um, so there's there's a sense of um, relinquishing control and and allowing allowing somebody or something you trust to give you suggestions below the conscious threat threshold of thought. Um, but for me, I, I, it really helped me for, for not, not so much in, re, in remembering um, vocabulary for language study, but behaviors for language study. It helped me um, become almost, um, um, almost a bit like crazy about my language study. It really helped me get to the next level for my language study, which would help me later on in my career. Uh, actually sure. interacting sure. with human beings, um, um, but um, it, it it helped me get to my next level. Uh, there are some other things that I practice that are very right brain centered, um, where visualization and creativity are involved. And learning language is so much of a logic left brain centric activity um, that um, I really enjoyed using alternative modalities. One of which um, it's a kind of auto writing. Um, in which I would be in class, um, and I did this in college too, actually. It's much easier in your native language to do, but um, you sit there and you listen to what's happening in the lecture. And in the case of language study, it was just the language. Um, and you, instead of, instead of recording exactly what the professor is saying, um, you record what you think about the things that are the professor is saying. You record, you write, non basically non-stop anything that comes into your mind it's a, it's it's like a practice of open awareness or open monitoring meditation where as things enter the consciousness um you are becoming aware of them and you're becoming aware of thoughts and emotions and feelings and reactions to the material that's being presented and so you are you are really recording um your mental state and your mental activities um, your emotional states and your emotional reactions and anything that you can connect to those concepts um, which is a form of integration across multiple domains of the brain. Um, so um, that was a very enjoyable way for a way for me. It's almost like um, it's almost like um, like writing a diary during during a class. But the diary you're writing is all containing all the concepts that you're listening to. But you're retaining you're retaining and recording your mental states and your emotional state and anything you can, can connect to those concepts. Um, and I found that I was very fruitful for me as well. Um, I did that except I, and, and when I was doing that in Arabic study, I would write in Arabic, um, and, and note words that I didn't know. So it was, it was helpful in that way too, because I was creating, I was actively creating language, uh, by writing. Um, so that was very helpful. Um, and then there's another one called, um, image streaming, which is another, which is another, um, kind of open monitoring, um, modality. And this is what I realized after looking, after really coming back to meditation and practicing meditation consistently, I realized that all those other practices that I, that I latched onto and, and still used were kind of forms of meditation. There are meditative forms in and of themselves. Um, so in image streaming, um, you allow yourself, um, like in open monitoring to allow any, um, any images to automatically populate and you center on those images and you record your images um, usually to another person. So if I was image streaming right now, I would close my eyes and I would uh, allow myself to uh, allow images to form in my mind and I would tell you what those images are 
as I was um, experiencing them. And the point is to um, allow yourself to have insights um, to certain things while you're allowing these images to come to mind, um, which is essentially a form of open monitoring mind, uh, meditation, which is what we do in mindfulness as well. We don't try to filter anything out. We're just trying to experience what's coming into consciousness. Um, and that's exactly what that is. Uh, I, did, I did a lot of that as well um, for, for um, both language study and for uh, performance, a lot of visualization, a lot of visualization on, uh, on any, uh, on any um, function that I needed to perform from what, you know, weapons manipulation to what we're gonna do on an operation to, I mean, you name it, I'm visualizing and I'm closing my eyes and running through it, um, which, which, is, uh, which is a form of mental practice. Um, so that's those are the ones that I that I that I there were like three major ones that I stuck with and, and continue to use um, and that are kind of like meditative modalities in and of themselves, um, but just don't have all of the facets that mindfulness meditation had, uh, which is what what I'm practicing now. All right, so with that practice that you've got going on now, I know that you're teaching mindfulness as well. Um, what and you're still in the Navy. <laughs> so some something like I did at the at the end of my career. One, how much longer are you in the Navy? And then two, what are your goals with mindfulness and meditation after? Uh, so I have about 15 months left before it's time to retire. Um, and goals, I'm not sure if I want to do this full time or not, or if it will be a full time gig or just uh, or, or like a um, a side gig, um, but either way, I want to continue to teach meditation. I, I completed my uh, my yoga certification um, earlier or late last year, and um, I found that I really reconnected with with the aspect of meditation as um, this super important part of our daily lives, of our mental hygiene, basically like like brushing your teeth for for your mind. Um, so it's something that we really should do every single day, and. After talking to some friends, um, some 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 former teammates, um, I realized that that people know that they should meditate, especially especially for those of us um, when we deployed years and years ago. We they we were taught to about what's going to happen when we get home and things that were common for us to feel and um, experiences that were common among people after wartime and combat and among the tools that were taught to us was meditation. There's yoga in there. There's different tools that were taught to us once again, uh, that you know we're made aware that these things existed and that we should practice them and seek the one that works for us. But we weren't really told exactly how to do it. And I realized that people, there are many people who don't quite know how to establish a personal practice. Uh, I, I have a good friend who, who told me he sat down for months and meditated every single day. Um, didn't really know what he was doing. Just he knew that he was supposed to close his eyes and be quiet, but didn't really know. Didn't have a, a really good idea of what he was supposed to be um, doing while he was doing it. He didn't have a framework or or a frame of reference. Um, and so I, I feel like there are a lot of folks who uh, know that they should meditate or do some sort of contemplative experience uh, modality, um, but they don't know exactly how. And they, and they need a starting point and they need to be taught how to formulate a practice that works for them within their lives. Um, and that's, that's what I'm really interested in doing. Um, I'm, definitely, I'm, I'm definitely interested in continuing working with military and first responders um, 
donating my time for them, um, helping out a lot of friends in the fire department. Uh, I feel like the uh, prison system is an underserved, um, like we, people are all over the police and fire departments donating their time, but who's taking care of the, the corrections officers? Who's taking care of the prisoners? So uh, like the prison system is, is, is definitely one where we can serve uh, that's underserved. Um, and I will continue to donate my time to um, these organizations um, and, and do private consulting for people who want to establish a practice and for groups like uh, Stasis Performance um, who have people in really in, in, in dire need of healing, uh, COVID long haulers uh, who really need to heal. Um, and they really need a mental space and a spiritual space where they can be healthy and be well. Um, and, and I'm really passionate about that. And so if that turns into... Um, and if I if I turn that into a, a practice or, or where I um, well that's what I do full time, <clears throat> I'm not sure if I'm going to do that or not. Um, but it's definitely going to be it's definitely going to be it's definitely going to be happening. I'm going to be teaching it regardless. Um, it's been really fulfilling. Yeah, it definitely is, and I think you hit on a couple of great points there. One is that you teach people in in the way that they're able to learn. Um, you know, a lot of people when they do sit down and meditate. They, they don't, one, they don't know what they're doing. Uh, I mean, I didn't know what I was doing and, and luckily I had, had an app, uh, but then once I got into where I needed to get more advanced, I ended up working with teachers, ended up reading a lot more about it. But a lot of the time when people sit down and meditate for the first time, they meditate for, or they attempt to meditate for two minutes and they, and their mind wanders off of that in that first two minutes and they're like, okay, I can't meditate and they quit. And and that's that's a that's a good way to start actually is just start small realize that your mind is going to wander off that's what your mind is meant to do it's meant to think thoughts and when those thoughts come in notice those thoughts are there and then just come back to the anchor whatever that anchor may be that breath or your your bodily sensations your ex, your experience in the here and now and just come back to that and just do that over and over and that's where the that's where the magic really happens is noticing that your mind has wandered off and then come back and then come back and then come back and that's where the rewiring long term happens as well as by coming back to that anchor and it helps you to focus so that when you are out in life and you've got all this noise all around you you can be focused on the here and now the other piece that you mentioned that was uh, fascinating to me was the the work in the prisons and you're in virginia beach area right yeah, there's a there's a former Coast Guard um, admiral out there that I'll have to introduce you to that is working with with prisoners to kind of get them uh, ready for for the next step when they do get out. Um, but also working with those who are never going to get out and just getting their their minds right about who they are and what they what they could do. And maybe maybe you can help out with that. Um, so, I'd, love, I'd love to talk to him. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll broker that intro here in the, in, in the near future. Oh, thank you. Well, um, so got about 15 months left in your, in your commitment with the Navy as you go through transition, uh, as I, I just went through it myself, retired in August, the having mindfulness and meditation is critical <laughs> going through that transition, man. So you're one step ahead of, of so many because that it's stressful and, and having something like mindfulness and meditation to fall back on as you go through that stressful transition is, is nice. And then it also, you've done some of that deep contemplative work already. Um, so, you know, there again, you're a step ahead in that you have the ability to, to to really look inside yourself and find out what it is you're passionate about. So 
maybe mindfulness and meditation is something you're passionate about, but it's not something you want to do as a career, but you can still, because you've done that deep introspective work, you can figure out what it is you want to do as a career rather than getting just pigeonholed into something afterwards. Cause so many, so many people do do that is they, they work in a career for whether it's four years or 20 years or 30 years in the military, they go and they do the exact same thing out of uniform that they were doing in uniform because that was the easy button. Well, you won't push that easy button. And I know that. And that's, that's, <laughs> that's, I think what ultimately sets you up for uh, success and happiness or not happiness, but maybe fulfillment on the outside is doing something that you really feel good about. Um, and I'm not saying that people don't feel good about those positions, but at least you've done the, you've done the work that, you know, you have the ability to do that type of work. So, well, that, that all said, brother, um, coming to the, the, the end of the show, what have we not talked about that, the, that you would like the listeners to hear? Well, I, I could just say that there are so many, there are so many ways that we can practice connecting to the physical moment, connecting to the present moment uh, through the body, through experiencing, through the mind, um, present in whatever activity we're doing. Um, and there are so many different ways we can do that, um, not just sitting in meditation. And what I didn't mention earlier is what, what got me actually to, to come swing full back to meditation. I didn't come to meditation directly this time. What I, what I, what I came to it indirectly as I was looking, I was, as I was lost in my own suffering from what I was feeling um, several years ago, I first heard about a free diving um, club nearby um, and I um, became enamored with free diving and spearfishing and just being in the ocean. It sounded like something that really called to me that I wanted, that I wanted to experience. And I went to my first, uh, I went to my first meeting with this club and sat underwater for a short period of time. And I, I felt so still and so quiet and so present, physically present because you're in this physical medium, like a medium that's just like surrounding your body and the pressure and the water and there's the sound um, and the silence of it. And I, and I came out of the water realizing that, that I want to do this, I want to free dive. And there's no single uh, successful free diver who isn't also uh, at least a semi-spiritual person. Uh, yoga and meditation are huge in the freediving community because that's what that's what gets us to be quiet, calm the mind. Yeah. Um, you know, the mind uses up so much oxygen, you know, just thinking, so much sugar, just thinking that, you know, when you can shut that off, you can hold your breath for longer. So that's what got me. I got into I got into breath work through freediving, and then that led me back to meditation. So I did this backwards trajectory through uh, an activity, um, yeah. which was for me was freediving, and from freediving to breath work, to meditation, then to yoga, it all just branched off from there. Um, so searching for a modality that calls to you, whatever that may be, um, and then being present in that modality, whether it's a physical modality or a, a quiet, comfortable one, such as even prayer, um, any of these, any of these ways, learning something new um, is, is so healing and integrative to the brain, um, as, long as, as long as you're present for it, as long as you're there for that experience, and then you can begin to link that experience across multiple domains um, in, in the brain and through um, just through things that you've been through in your life. When you can be quiet and listen to that and just experience it and bring it all in, uh, that can serve as a contemplative modality in and of itself of learning and experiencing the self um, through gaining more experience by doing, by getting out of the room, getting off the couch, 
and just <laughs> something and being present for it. Um, right. That's there are many ways that we can be mindful and present, uh, not just sitting in formal meditation. Um, although that is the most important one for me now, <laughs> um, there, there are so many different ways that we can experience it throughout the day and throughout our lives. Yeah, well, I think uh, combining that is really where you really where you get the most effect is combining that meditation along with some type of mindfulness practice. And whether that's free diving or prayer or, or just paying attention to your your breathing or your eating, whatever the case may be, implementing them both on top of one another is really helpful. Uh, free diving. Um, uh, have you seen the movie? I think it's called The Octopus Teacher or My Octopus yes, Teacher. <laughs> man, uh, that movie is phenomenal, man. I, I watched it. So I actually was born in South Africa and it's filmed off of the coast oh, wow. there in, in Cape Town. I, I think it's Cape Town um, where I was born. And, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. And, and just I had no idea that octopuses is octopi. I don't know how you, however you pluralize that word. Way. I think either one's good. <laughs> um, yeah, I had no idea about uh, how intelligent they are. And, and there's some beautiful cinematography and music in that movie. So for the listeners or viewers, if you haven't checked out that movie, uh, check it out. There's some great free diving scenery. And, and uh, yeah, he's amazing how long he held his breath down there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, so, I spearfish and I won't, I won't kill an, or eat an octopus anymore. Like they're too smart. They're, they're, yeah. just, they're too smart. It's like, it's a, if it's something as smart as a dog, I'm not killing it. <laughs> I get it, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, cool, man. Sorry uh, for that little sidetrack there. Uh, ben, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, man. If, uh, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you or find out more about what it is you're doing, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Uh, probably on Instagram um, at from kill to chill. There you go. And I'll make sure that's in the in the notes when uh, when this goes out on on the podcast form and in the YouTube as well. Well, Ben, it's been a pleasure, brother. Uh, I sincerely appreciate your time and and your sharing your story, your being open and vulnerable about, about everything that you've experienced and how you came to meditation, how you fell away, and then how you came back. So I, I sincerely appreciate it. All right, thanks, John. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And until we speak again, stay safe and stay healthy. All right, brother. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Veterans Path Podcast. Please follow us on social media and think about sharing your story with us there and potentially on the show. Together, we can make mental health a priority, improving and saving lives.